0: I'm pulling in my driveway. We all know what that means. It's time for the drive to work. And I've been talking all about pharaohs beyond death. Okay, so I'm up to red. I've I previously talked about white, b- blue, and black. Okay, so we start with The Akrohan War. Three in red, so four mana total, one of which is red. It's an enchantment saga. Uh, as, as the saga enters the battlefield, or, so, as the saga enters and after your draw step, add a lore counter, sacrifice after chapter three. Chapter 1, gain control of target creature for as long as a crone war remains on the battlefield. Chapter 2, until your next turn, creatures your opponent controls, attack each combat if able. And then chapter number 3, each tapped creature deals damage to itself equal to its power. Okay, so, first off, uh, 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 Akros is our version of Troy. Uh, so when we do, like, the Trojan War, instead of being, like, the Trojan horse, it was Ac- the Acroan horse. Um, so um, this is us doing our version of the Trojan War. Uh, the Trojan War was a, a big war, seen in the Iliad, um, uh, and uh, the Odyssey when he's returning home from the—anyway. The, the, uh, so this is us trying to capture that sense of a war. Uh, the cool thing about this card is that it, it plays in some space that's kind of unique to Saga. So, for example, red gets temporary stealing. Now, normally when red steals something, it steals it for the turn. But the sagas allow us to let do stealing for, for not an infinite number of times, you know, not forever, but for uh, more than one turn. Because it comes out and it allows you to hold on to it. And um, essentially what happens is you play it, you get to steal something. Um, and... Now, notice that when you steal something, uh, unless it has haste, you can't attack it because it doesn't grant. Oftentimes when you steal something, it also grants it haste. This is not also granting it haste, but because you hold on to it, the idea is turn one, I steal it. Now, if I, st- if I steal a haste creature, I can attack with it, but assume it doesn't have haste. Then turn two, I get to attack with it. Um, and then turn three, um, I'm going to do damage to all tapped creatures. So, number one is I gain control of the creature. Okay, so now I have control of the creature. Number two... Uh, uh, um, uh, then, uh, okay, so th- then my next turn, I force all your creatures to attack. Um, and then on that turn, I can attack with this creature. I then force all your creatures to attack. Uh, and then the following turn, um, I'm going to destroy... Well, I'm going to have all tapped creatures do damage equal to themselves. Now, I get to steal what, I get to choose what I steal as long as I steal something whose power is equal to or greater than their toughness... I'll get to attack with it once, and then it's going to destroy itself, assuming I picked the right creature. Also, since my opponent must attack with all their creatures, their creatures are going to be tapped. So this is a pretty potent spell. Um, Now, notice, by the way, assuming you're not stealing a haste creature, you mostly have the creature for one turn. You get one attack with it, so that's not that different than the threatened or red's normal stealing effect. It's a little bit different in that I steal and it happens next turn. I can block with it for a turn that doesn't normally happen. Um, but anyway, uh, it is, I, th- I think it's overall a pretty cool card. Um, next, Anax Hardened in the Forge. One red red. It's a legendary enchantment creature. It's a demigod. Um, and he, he is a star three. And then his power is equal to his devotion, to, or your devotion to red. And whenever Anax or another non-token creature you control dies, create a 1-1 one, one red sadar creature token with this can't block. If the creature had power four or greater, create two of those tokens instead. So the idea is I get a creature, so um, he is... Uh, um, Anax is, has two red mana. So at bare minimum, he's a 2-3. Uh, as long as you have two other red mana... I mean, so when, when, when any creature dies, including Anax, you're going to get a 1-1 a one, one red satyr. And then if uh, you have four more devotion... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. If the creature had four or more power, sorry. Uh, if the creature who died had four or more power, you get to create uh, two tokens. So if you have devotion to four, when Anax dies, you will get two tokens. It, it doesn't. Um, it only cares about the creature dying that determines whether you get two. Not not whether devotion. Not whether he has devotion to red. Uh, the creature that dies has that power. Now if he uh, if you have devotion to four, then when Anax dies, you would get two. Anyway, the idea is you're turning creatures into these satyrs. Now notice uh, the reason we have can't block on them is one of the biggest problems with token generators is that you can use them to stall the battleground. Um, and the idea is this wants you to be aggressive with them. It says, look, you can't use them for defensive purposes, so you might as well attack with them. Now, maybe you'll hold off to attack with a whole bunch at once so you can swarm them, um, but you at least won't use it for defensive purposes, which is what often happens with which creature tokens, especially with red. We want this to be more offensive than defensive. Um, again, uh, this is part of the demigod cycle, As I said, some of them have devotion equal to their... Some of them, their toughness equal to devotion. Some is power. This one was power. It's red. It kind of makes sense as power is equal to it. Next, Arena Trickster. Three and a red for a 3-3 human shaman creature, obviously. Whenever you cast your first spell during each opponent's turn, put a plus one, plus one counter on Arena Trickster. I mentioned this during when I was talking about blue, that one of the things we did with the red-blue archetype for drafting is there's a play things on your opponent's spell flavor. Um, blue and red already are the spell colors, but to give them a little, something a little different from other blue-red uh, archetypes, this really records you for doing stuff on your opponent's turn. And this is uh, one of the enablers. I talked about the blue enabler. This is one of the enablers that encourage you to have that behavior. Like I said, part of making those strategies work in, in, a, in an archetype is having some things that enable it and some things that reward it. Um, I'm sorry, this is not an enabler. This is a reward. This is a reward spell. So some things that enable you to do it allow, you know, like, for example, maybe there's more flash creatures or more instants. And then there's things that uh, reward you for doing with like this, um, where, hey, when you do it, you get some effect. So, hey, you want to do this and encourages you to do that. Okay, next, blood aspirant. So blood aspirant costs one and a red. So two mana total, one of which is red. Uh, It's a 1-1. It's a Seder Berserker. Uh, it's a creature, obviously. Whenever you sacrifice a permanent, put a plus one, plus one counter on Blood Aspirant, and one in red, tap, sac a creature or enchantment, Blood Aspirant deals one damage to target creature. That creature can't block this turn. Okay, there's a bunch going on here. One is, um, when we went back to Theros, we had a meeting of the c- uh, Council of Colors to talk about enchantments and how all the colors interacted with enchantments. What colors like enchantments? What colors don't like enchantments? What colors can destroy enchantments? And one of the tricky things was, okay, well, what does red do in an enchantment-centered world? Well, red is not a color that can destroy enchantments. It's not a color—I mean, every color gets a little bit of likes enchantments, constellation stuff. But um, red—we really wanted red to have some identity. And one of the things we hadn't really uh, identified was what was the color that might sacrifice enchantments. We don't want it to be black because we don't want black to sacrifice its own enchantments because we, we like making um, deal with the devil enchantments where you get yourself in trouble and we don't want to make it easy for black to get rid of its own enchantments. We are allowing black to get rid of, of the opponent's enchantments, as I mentioned on, in black. Um, but uh, who would be the best? And we realized that we be an opportunity to, to define something in red. Now, notice red is not going to sacrifice enchantments all that often. It really only matters in a place where there's a lot of enchantments, like in an enchantment-centric deck. I'm sorry, enchantment-centric set. Uh, but anyway, we said that red could do that. Um, another thing that we did in this set is black and red, one of their, um, the deck archetype, has to do with uh, sacrificing resources, that I build stuff up and then I can sacrifice resources. Um, so black is sacrificing creatures, red is sacrificing enchantments. It also gets to sacrifice creatures some um, as it, with this card. So this card, we're normally in a normal set, this would be sac a creature to deal one damage to a creature. Um, In this set, it lets you sacrifice either a creature or an enchantment. Um, Oh, the other thing we did here is uh, the reward for sacrificing the creature is it gets bigger. That's good. Um, But the other thing we also did is... um, Oh, notice, by the way, whenever, whenever you sacrifice, it doesn't care why you sacrifice. You don't have to sacrifice it to this effect. Um, if, you sa- you know, if you, for example, have one of the Omens, which are, I talked about the enchantments that have an enter the battlefield effect that you can sac from to the scry to, when you sacrifice that, you get to do this. You know, if you have an other creatures you're sacrificing for other means, um, for example, if you're playing a black-red deck where you have multiple things that can sacrifice, if other things are sacrificing, uh, Blood aspect, like I said, it's a reward card. It still lets you care about that. Now, it gives you its own sac outlet, so it, it has its own way that it can get bigger, but it's open-ended so that it doesn't require its own effect to get bigger. Um, also, what we did is we did one damage to creatures. Um, so the idea is that it helps you in combat and can help you kill small things. Uh, and um, no, it's a tap effect, so you can only you can't combo and, and, and sacrifice multiple creatures to kill bigger things. Um, the other thing we did is target creature can't block means well. We want to give you some reason. Let's say there's nothing small in, in play. We still want to give you reasons you might want to make use of this. So. You know, once if I have small things I can kill, yeah, maybe I kill the small things or things that have a low toughness. Um, But let's say my opponent doesn't have anything that I can kill. Well, it still might be advantageous for me to use this to get through to be able to to hit them. Maybe with the blood aspirin that's gotten really big. Okay, next. Dream Shaper Shaman. Five and a red for a Minotaur Shaman. It's an enchant creature. Five, four. Um, At the beginning of your end step, you may pay two and a red and sacrifice a non-land permanent. If you do, reveal cards from the top of your library until you reveal a non-land permanent card. Put that card into the battlefield and the, the rest of the bottom of your library in random order. So one of the things, um, there's a card called Polymorph that was in blue in Mirage, I think, uh, that takes a creature and turns it into another creature. Um, we decided a while back that Polymorph feels pretty red. Um, well, sorry. Um, Polymorph, where you have complete lack of control, feels very red. Um, polymorph effects where you have some control feels more blue. So the idea is if I'm going to change you into something, if I know what I'm going to change you into, that's more blue. If I don't know what's going to happen, that is red. Now in this particular case, this is not about changing your opponent's stuff. It's about changing your things. And the idea here is you can sacrifice anything that isn't a land and then you go get a permanent that isn't a land. Um, and so the idea is, that it lets you change one thing into another. Because the reason it's very open-ended, it says any permanent is. If we were very specific, you could put just one of that in your deck, and then you'd be guaranteed to turn whatever it is into that one thing. Uh, but the idea of not having any permanents is pretty hard to pull off. So by saying non-land permanent, okay, sacrifice something, you're going to go get something. But probably your deck has lots of non-land permanents in, it. so it's tricky to take advantage of that to mean to control exactly what you're getting. The fun part of this is. It lets you turn small things um, like tokens or something or, or small creatures that maybe aren't useful anymore into bigger things. And so uh, we felt this was, was pretty fun. And like I said, we're playing more in letting uh, red do um, shape-changing where you don't know the outcome, where there's a chaotic element to it because that feels pretty red. Okay, next is Final Flare. So Final Flare is two and a red. It's an instant, so three mana total, one which is red. Uh, As an additional cost to cast a spell, sacrifice a creature or enchantment, Final Flare deals five damage to target creature. Now, this is a great example where I talked before. We said red can sacrifice enchantments. Um, So this spell we would make in a normal set, except it would just say creature. Um, uh, Like red, for example, uh, Goblin Grenade. I mean, the mana cost was cheaper for Goblin Grenade. But Goblin Grenade, it's like Sacrifice a creature, do 5 damage. Um, and I think that might have been 5 damage to anything, not 5 damage to a creature. Anyway, that card's kind of strong. Um, so in a normal set, we might let you do this with just creatures. But because we're in a world where, oh, enchantments matter, we've decided Red can Sacrifice Enchantments, it just lets us make a card in a slightly different version. You know? Um, I, I mean, because you can Sacrifice Enchantment, maybe it costs one more than normal. I, I'm not 100% sure I mean, it, costs, it means something that you sacrifice enchantments. But it just gives you some more utility, and it lets us make a spell that's a little different than the spell might be in a, in a normal set. To make, it helps reinforce the flavor of the set and reinforce the theme. Um, and so we, we always look on where and how to do, to do that. Okay, Furious Rise, two in a red. So three mana total, one of which is red. Enchantment. At the beginning of your end step, if you control a creature with power four or greater... Exile the top card of your library. You may play that card into exile another card with Furious Rise. Okay, so this is us playing around a couple spaces. One is um, uh, the idea of what we call um, Impulsive Draw. Is I get a card, I get it for a limited amount of time, uh, and I have to cast it. Normally, Impulsive Draw is still end of turn. Um, this is playing. We're messing around a little bit with Impulsive Draw, playing around a little different space. So the idea here is. I get a card, um, and I I get to keep it until, um, let's see, oh, I I see, Um, at at my end step, so the idea is I can have one spell at a time. So if I have a spell, I'm allowed to keep that spell, but I I can't get another spell. So um, this does let you keep the spell a little longer than normal, but because there's resource, because. Look, you really want... that. You want to be drawing a new spell every turn. It's advantageous to draw a spell every turn. So, yeah, it lets you keep a spell a little longer than one turn, but you're heavily, heavily encouraged not to do... I mean, you're heavily encouraged to play the mustache as, as you can. So it, re, it reinforces and plays into general red space, but a little bit different. It also allows you... For example, if you get a reactor spell that you can hold on to the reactor spell... Um, I mean, your opponent gets to see what the spell is, so... Uh, it, reactive up to a point, obviously. Another thing that I did not mention with Anax that I talked about earlier is, notice it talks about power four or greater. Um, that is a theme in red and green. So the red-green archetype has a four or greater theme in it. Um, so all these cards work outside. I mean, you will have larger creatures in any deck, so it's not like you can't play this in a red deck with other colors. But green is going to ramp and going to have more big creatures, so it just plays more efficiently in a red or green deck. So, um, that is why you see stuff like that. Okay, next, infuriate. Uh, red instant. Target creature gets plus three, plus two until end of turn. Um, so one of the things that we had done for a long time was that red tended to have its, um, giant growth be plus N plus O. Plus one plus O, plus two plus O, plus three plus O. Um, but what that meant was, while it was very good for aggression, it never let you sort of be defensive or survive fights and stuff. And so we had a big powwow, and that um, we want to make sure that red has some utility, but we also want to separate red from green and some, from some stuff from white. So the, we we laid out a rule that you you can see a place here, which is um, when red does boost, it's going to boost its power greater than its toughness. But because it's in this case granting plus three plus plus three for power, it can go up to plus two for toughness. And so this is like a giant growth, not quite as good as a giant growth. It's not quite on the you know like. Green gets plus 3, plus 3. Red gets plus 3, plus 2. Okay, so it reinforces that red's not quite as good as, this as um, green is. And it says red's a little more on the aggression. It's not that you can't save things. Plus 2 toughness is something. Um, but it allows us to make a card. It allows us to play in space. Like, giant growth is fun space. We want to kind of play in that space. There's a reason that white and red and green all get to do stuff in that space. Um, but we're trying to be careful about who does what where. White right now doesn't go above plus 2 on power. Uh, it, can, it tends to do smaller boosts. It is allowed to do a little more boost on toughness because it's, it's a damage prevention color. Um, red, meanwhile, can go higher than two, but it needs to have its power higher than toughness. Where green tends to be square-statted, whatever grants you. It tends to do plus one, plus one, plus two, plus two, plus, two, plus three, plus three, plus four, plus four. It tends to be square-statted. Uh, this way, we take something we want to do in a bunch of different colors, give each color some identity so you get a feeling for that color. Um, And that's important, that we want to make sure we differentiate. Uh, But, look, giant growth is fun space. It's good gameplay. It leads to a lot of fun and interesting plays. So we really want to—we wanted it to be in three different colors in ways that we can chop it up. So if you see the spell in isolation, you can figure out who it is. Um, White also, by the way, it it tends to do smaller boosts but normally grants an ability with it. Where green, sometimes it grants trample. But other than trample, it usually just does, um, you know, plus N plus N. Okay, next, Iroa's Blessing, three in a red, Enchantment, Aura. When Iroa's Blessing enters the battlefield, it deals four damage to target creature or planeswalker and opponent controls. and Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. A uh, couple things. First off, Iroa is one of the gods. Um, one of the things we did, even though we didn't make god cards for all, all 15 gods, um, although I, I should stress that Xenoghost died and is no longer a god, Um although uh, we have a new red-green god. I'll get to, I'll get to him later. Um, we did want to reference all 15 of the gods. So we made an effort between names and flavor text that even though you don't see, even though there aren't god cards, um, oh, hold on one second. Sorry. Safety first. Um, even though there aren't um, 15 god cards, look, the gods do exist. We want the gods to be part of this world. So... We—the gods are there. Uh, And so we wanted to make sure between names and flavor text that that, that you get the sense that, yes, look, the gods still are part of this world. It's not as if—it's not like the gods don't exist. It's not as if just because we didn't print god cards, they're they're gone now. Um, So one of the things we thought was really cool was, look, we wanted to make reference to the gods. So you will see the gods referenced throughout. Okay, another thing going on here is we want to make auras that matter, one of the problems in general with auras is card disadvantage. I've talked about that. So one of the ways to sort of help is to staple a spell to an aura. So for example, this is plus one, plus one. That's not that big a deal, um, but it's stapled to a damage spell, right? It allows you to do damage to a creature or a planeswalker. That's a very efficient spell. You might play that spell regardless. But the nice thing is it sort of allows you to play the spell, have answers to things, and have an extra enchantment in your deck. Since we care about enchantments, we want to care about them entering the battlefield and care about them leaving the battlefield and want you to sacrifice them and care if you have them. Um, this allows us to just get extra enchantments into, into play. So that is um, beneficial. Okay, next, Phoenix of Ash. Phoenix of Ash costs one red red, so three mana total, two which is red. It's a 2-2 Phoenix a creature, obviously. has Flying and Haste. For two and a red, Phoenix of Ash gets plus two plus zero until end of turn. And escape, two red-red, exile three of cards from your graveyard. You may cast this from your graveyard for its escape cost. Phoenix of Axe escapes with a plus-and-plus plus encounter on it. Okay, so for three mana, I get a 2-2 two, two Flying Haste creature. Uh, and I can, for two and a red mana, plus 2-plus-0 Fire Breathing. Um, the reason we tend to do that is um, if we make Fire Breathing for a single red mana, it, it, it encourages you to have to have lots of red mana. This particular card, um, it has two red mana. It's mana cost it was a little less necessary to do that um, and if you want to play this with another color it makes it a little easier to do that although i understand the mana cost is the thing that adjusts as well anyway uh, it's a 2-2 you get to escape with it uh, it's a phoenix phoenix is naturally going to come back from the from the dead that's what phoenixes do it's kind of fun to since there's a mechanic that plays into that very flavor hey let's make a phoenix that does that phoenix has clearly come back from the dead is what phoenixes do this particular one also does the thing where it gets better when it comes back from the dead. So it's a 2-2 normally, but it's a 3-3 when it rises from the dead. Um, and um, getting it back is not much more expensive. Like one red-red for a 2-2 and then two red-red for a 3-3. So you're not paying that much more to, to get it. So that, that, that is kind of cool. Okay, next. Perforos. Purfo- pur- pur- Perforos. Bronze-blooded. Four and a red. It's a uh, legendary enchantment creature, god, 7-6, indestructible. As long as your devotion to red is, is less than 5, Prophos isn't a creature. Other creatures you control have haste. Two and a red, uh, you may put a creature card or an artifact card from your hand onto the battlefield. Sacrifice at the beginning of your next end step. Okay, so he does two things besides being a god. Um, is He get, grants everybody haste. Um, so I think all the gods in this case have a static ability, and activated ability, I think. Or maybe it's activated or triggered. Um, and uh, he is the forger. So the reason it says creature or artifact is a little bit of flavor. Um, so basically he's doing... Uh, uh, what's the name of the effect? Uh, sneak attack from Tempest. Uh, I, I made uh, sneak attack all the way back in Tempest. So what sneak attack does is it lets you... Put a creature card on your hand into play, gives it haste, and then it goes away to end a turn. So it allows you to turn your creatures into, like, one-time effects. Um, so he has sneak attack built in, which is pretty powerful. Um, it's funny. He also, because he grants everybody haste, his sneak attack ability doesn't need to grant them haste because he grants them haste, which is kind of clever. So uh, we sort of took that ability and split them off. Um, we've made fervor and a lot of stuff for red grants haste. That's kind of a generally cool ability to have. So anyway... He all comes together pretty cool. Perforce's Intervention. X and in Red. So, Sorcery. Choose one. Create an XX Red Elemental Creature Token with Trample and Haste. Sacrifice at the beginning of the next end step. Uh, so, you get to make a whole bunch of 1-1s uh, with Trample that can attack for this turn. Um, oh, I'm sorry. They're X-1. Oh. Create an X-1. i sorry. It's not X-1-1s. It's an X-1. So, I'm creating one creature token, but it's got Trample based on X. Uh, so, I'm going to attack you with... You know, if I put five mana into it, it's uh, or five five in red. Uh, It's a a five one five one trample. You know, and I'm going to attack with it because it's going to die end of turn. And perforce Intervention deals X damage to target creature or planeswalker. So either, once again, we've done this before, where I can do X of something, which is making an X one, um, or I can do double X, where I can do damage to creatures or planeswalker. So the cool thing about this is hey, if I, if I want to do damage to a player, I can make a creature with Tramp 1 attack. If I want to do damage to a walker or a creature, I, now do I get to do that, but I get a double up. I get to do double X. Like I said, a bunch of these X-Bells do double X, so it helps us make two different effects that, that both fit the same cost. But anyway, this, that's part of the red. Um, red's part of the, uh, what, what do they call it? The uh, intervention um, cycle. Okay, next... Skop- Skophoros Maze Warden. Three and a red. It's a 3-4 creature, a Minotaur Warden. Uh, one colon. Skophoros Maze Warden gets plus one, minus one until end of turn. So it's a 3-4. You can pump it all the way up to being a 6-1. Whenever another creature becomes a target... And if you put enchantments or something on it, it makes big big figure. Whenever another creature becomes a target of an ability of a land you control named Labyrinth of Scophos, you may have Scophoros Maze fight that creature. So the idea is there's a, a land that represents the maze. And this is the the Minotaur in the maze, which is playing into the original Greek... Like, in, in the Greek mythology, there actually is one Minotaur. There's not a lot of Minotaurs. We make a lot of Minotaurs. Uh, in original Greek mythology, there was the Minotaur. There was only one. And it guarded the maze. Uh, I think Theseus fought him. Um, anyway, there's a combo here where this card by itself is a fine card. It's a 3-4 with, with sort of... Um, uh, flowstone, we call it in r I, I don't know what the... Uh, plus one, minus one. Um, but if you get, if you get to... Uh, if you can get the maze, then not only that, they combo together, and now the Minotaur can fight things in the maze. So there, there's lots of fun flavor there. Okay, next. Storm Herald, Tuna Red, Creature, Human Shaman. Uh, it's got Haste, and it's a 3-2. Uh, it's a creature. Human Shaman is a creature. Uh, when Storm Herald enters the battlefield, return any number of aura cards from your graveyard to the battlefield. Attach to creatures you control. Exile those auras at the beginning of your next end step. If those auras will leave the battlefield, exile, exile them instead of putting them anywhere else. Uh, so one of the things Red gets to do is do things temporarily. So here what it's doing is it's raising dead all your auras for a turn. Now remember, we said that Red gets to sacrifice auras. So one of the things it could do is it could have auras, maybe it has, aura, maybe it has enchantment creatures, although um, this, this only gets back auras. Um, maybe you have auras that you're putting on your creatures. Like I said, there, there's stuff like the, um, the one that does damage to creatures that maybe you're just playing. Um, but anyway, you get to play some auras, you get to sacrifice them, and then this lets you get them back and do... Um, I mean, I, th- I think this is intended for more build-around if you want to make an aura-centric deck. Uh, the idea being that I play a lot of auras and then this card really lets me sort of have a second hit with all the auras in. Um, and it's kind of neat. We've, we've done, you know, animated a creature for a turn in red, uh, but this is the first time we've, we've done animate auras. And to make it powerful enough, it's all the auras. So that's kind of cool. Okay. Um, next Storm Wrath. So Storm Wrath costs two red, red. So it's four mana total, two of which is red. is a sorcery. It deals four damage to each creature in each Planeswalker. Um, so it's a, a board wipe for red, or, or a pseudo board wipe. I mean, it only kills... It only does four damage, so um, it might not kill all Planeswalkers, although a lot of Planeswalkers that might be at four or less, or at least lower the Planeswalkers. And it gets rid of at least all these small and medium-sized things, um, but... You know, uh, usually when white does sort of mass, uh, it, it just destroys them. Where red and black usually care a little bit about how big they are. Um, black, a lot, a lot of times, will do minus X, minus X, and red will do direct damage, obviously, because that's what red likes to do. Okay, next, the Triumph of Annex. Two in red, it's an enchantment saga. Uh, as it enters, you get lower counter, and this has four chapters, so you sacrifice after chapter four. Chapter one, chapter two, and chapter three. Until end of turn, target creature gains trample and gets plus X, plus O, where X is the number of lore counters on tri- Triumph of Anax. And Chapter 4, target creature you control fights up to one target creature you don't control. Uh, so the idea is um, uh, Anax is one of our demigods, uh, so it's telling a story about them. So this is playing some fun space with sagas. The idea that it could be a ramping effect, because yes, Chapter 1, 2, and 3 are the same effect, but really they're not the same effect because it cares how many lore counters you have. So, essentially, it, it's plus 1 plus 0, plus 2 plus 0, plus 3 plus 0. So, it's kind of neat in that while the chapters repeat, they don't really, they scale up. And that is something that we can do with, um, with sagas. Sagas are definitely something that um, we enjoyed within Dominaria. We had fun bringing them back. You can see we're playing around with them a bit. Uh, some of them, like this one, have four chapters. All the ones in Dominaria have three chapters. And we're experimenting a little bit with what you can do with sagas. This is a good example of some space that is interesting space that Saga's let you do in, in a clean way where you get to have scaling effects but in a way that's not like you're already doing the logistics to have to track the lower counters anyway. So it's no additional... Uh, like if I did this on a normal spell, I have to explain to you how to track it. But since I already have something that has to track something, I can sort of... Um, I can sort of make use of that. So it's a neat way to get extra value without creating extra logistics. So that, that is particularly cool. Okay, Underworld Breach. So Underworld Breach costs one in red. It's an enchantment. Each non-land card in your graveyard has escape. Uh, the escape cost is equal to the card's mana cost plus the uh, exile three other cards from your graveyard. At the beginning of your end step, sacrifice Underworld Breach. Okay, so first off, this is kind of like a spell in that you get it for the turn. Uh, it's very Yawgmoth's Will-y, for those that know that card from way back when. Uh, a black card from Urza's Saga that was super powerful. Um, and the idea here is that it allows you to escape things, uh, meaning it grants escape to everything. So essentially the idea is, for the cost of three cards from your graveyard, you can cast stuff out of your graveyard. yagmas will just let you, for the turn, casting out of your graveyard. So this is like that, except there's the added cost of you have to spend three cards per spell. So it doesn't let you get every spell, but oftentimes you can't cast all the spells anyway when you're casting stuff out of your graveyard, because you, know, you only have so much mana. Um... Anyway, this is a very powerful card. I, I uh, anticipate seeing play in many formats. Uh, like I said, it's kind of Red's version of Yawgmoth Will. Not quite as strong as Yawgmoth Will, obviously. Um, while it costs the same as Yawgmoth Will, the escape element of having sacrifice three other cards really is a significant cost. Okay, so finally... Um, I think it's my last card in red. Uh, it is. Wrap in Flames. Okay, Wrap in Flames is three in a red. Um... It's a sorcery. Rapping flames, de- Rappin flames deals 1 damage to each of up to 3 target creatures. Those creatures can't block this turn. Okay, so this is space that we've been playing in a little bit more in red is the idea of we like red having panic effects meaning uh target creature can't block. Um, but sometimes it's hard to, to play those spells uh, unless you're playing super aggro y sometimes it's tricky to get like to have the space in your deck for that. Um, So the idea here is, we've been doing this a little bit more, is the idea of doing a damage to a creature and so if I'm able to kill it I can kill it but if not it can't block. So the idea is that as utility against small things, it kills the small things, but as utility against bigger things. So the idea is I'll put it in my deck because it lets me deal with tokens or deal with smaller things. But if I get in a situation where I'm not able to use it that it still lets me break through. So it is, it's pretty flexible. And the idea is kind of fun is that if I, if I hit you, maybe it's not enough to kill you, but it it discourages you from uh, from blocking me. So um, I think that's pretty cool. Anyway. Um, I'm now at work. So uh, I just got through red today. So uh obviously there'll be some more uh more podcasts coming. Uh but uh I'm at work, so we all know what that means. I means it's the end of my drive to work. So instead of talking magic, it's time for me to be making magic. I'll see you guys all next time. Bye bye.